Yes, yeah, so we're recording. Sweet. All right, cool. Uh, so fellow block one, I feel like I'm going through the entire uh, um, roster of block ones and just getting them on oh. here. Uh, Jeremy uh, Weber here from Denver, Colorado, which I screwed up earlier thinking you weren't there, which we'll go down that story at some point. But Jeremy, welcome. Thank you for taking time of your day and uh, pump the chit chat. Introduce yourself. Tell us what you got going on and we'll wrap from there. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, just give a little bit, a bit of a background on myself. I've been working as a personal trainer for nine years as of this month. Um, before that, I'll go back a little bit. I used to be very unhealthy, very overweight. Um, grew up playing some sports, but had a lot of issues with food and ballooned up to almost 300 pounds my last year of college. Wow. Dude. Um, so that's what kind of got me into this was uh, I graduated college, was in a really bad place, you know, physically, mentally. And I had a friend who was a personal trainer at the time. And he was the first person to reach out to me with a, hey, you should do this because I knew I needed to lose weight. My parents kept being like, you should go to the gym. But I didn't know what the hell to do with the gym. They kept being like, you should eat better. I didn't really know what that looked like. So I finally had someone who reached out and provided a little bit of direction. He wasn't the best trainer in the world. He didn't really last long in the industry, but I'll always be very grateful to him because he was the one who got me started. So over the course of two years, I dropped just over a hundred pounds. I went from 288 at my heaviest to 185. Wow, and uh, you, that 288 was like north of 40% body fat. It was, you know, if something didn't change, I don't know where I'd be right now, but I'm just very happy that that something happened. So I lost that weight. It was at that point I decided that I wanted to pursue training as a profession and as a career. And so I started studying for that. I got into personal training, uh, worked for 24 hour fitness for a few years, being a trainer there. I moved out to Colorado, went into management with them. That was absolutely terrible. Uh, low level corporate management is just soul killing. So I stepped back into training full time because that's really what I loved. And uh, about three, it'll be three years in October, my sister and I opened our gym, Empire Fitness, here in uh, Westminster, Colorado. I, we kind of connected through Power Athlete and being Block One coaches. I took my Block One test back in March of 2018. Um, so because of that, I've been able to really connect with some awesome people and uh, you know, feel very fortunate for that. And yeah, we're just kind of kind of get into it and talk about, you know, what we got to do to to fix a lot of people and to help them as much as we can, right? I love it, man. I love it. 300 pounds. How old are you? 34. Okay. Man, where, where did you go to school? University of Missouri. Go Tigers. Really? How did you end up in Missouri? Because we were chatting before we got on here, and you're, you're from, if I remember correctly, you're from New, from New York. How did yeah, you end up in Missouri? In so, uh, like a lot of families who have kids in New York, it's kind of hard to afford that. So my <laughs> parents did the best they could to, to live in New York City when I was born. And we were there a few years. And then my sister was born. And they were just like, we can't fucking afford two kids <laughs> in New York off. City. Crazy. And so my dad found a job. Uh, he was an insurance underwriter at the time. My mom was a nurse, so she could find a job anywhere. Um, so they, my dad got a job in St. Louis, and we ended up out there. Very cool. What did you go to school for originally? Uh, personal financial planning. Well, let's see, it shows up though when you're running a business. So I'm sure you, yeah. you have. So I went to school. For, I took, I was 
very much like not sure what I want to do with my life. Like any 18 year old, like I think it's crazy. That's a whole other rabbit hole. We can say 31. I'm still like, what am I doing? (laughs) What do I even like uh, anymore? Yeah. I spent five years getting a degree that I've never used. Um, so that was not ideal, but I learned a lot. I made some, met some great people along the way. I met the guy who would become my first trainer, like I said. So, you know, it kind of pushed me in the right direction that I needed to go. Good deal, man. Well, I was telling you again, before we got on, we started press record, like uh, Morgan and my, my, my wife, Morgan and I were thinking about taking a trip out to Colorado. So, and we're trying to move yeah. out there. So I'm like, well, let's plant this seed. But did you ever come back East? Uh, it's been a while. I was back yeah, in well, New York. Last time I was in New York was December of 2018. Okay. So we're in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. So we're in South, Southeast Jersey. Uh, but okay. if you ever, you ever come back out here, man, let's stay. And then uh, you got to show us the ropes in New York. So I got a lot of people Absolutely. up there. I forget to always contact when we do go up there, but like we get there and we're like, where the hell do we go? But uh, nevertheless, I, I, like, I still can just kind of fall into the, I love the pace of it. I love that. Yeah. Like, Fast talking, fast acting. I just fall right back into the rhythm. I, it, I love that. It's, it's funny because, like, I, I show some anxiety, and I feel like as soon as we get off the train under uh, MSG and we walk out the street, my anxiety goes away. I'm like, I'm not a fucking freak, man. Look at all these people out here. So I, yeah. I love the hustle and bustle. And I joke, <laughs> like, you talk about the, the expenses of it. Morgan and I was, I was like, for six months, we should just try and live it for six months. That way we can lose some money, but like, not probably go totally broke doing it, but just yeah. have the experience, but you know, um, and like the summer and fall there. Yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah, dude. Well, that's cool, man. Like, um, so one of the things that really got my attention, uh, something you posted the other day was about men. And so, you know, I haven't really put anything out there quite yet about where I'm headed or where I think I want to head, but I think we can all look at the world right now and, and through all of the things that are going on and look at just, men or people's health in general, but men specifically. And then we have to question like where our health is. And you posted this and you can correct me in statistics. Um, but you had had said that 74% of men are overweight and it's something around 35 or 36% of that them are obese. And I just have written down why, how, and solution. And you yeah. re- reference it this way. We need to get our shit together. And that, that was like, I saw the word men, and get your shit together. And I was like, that's, that's it, man. Right there, uh, we've got this huge issue. And what spurred, what's going on in Colorado or in your, your neck of the woods, really, where you're looking at us and going, man, what the fuck are we doing? Because there's so much more than just health, uh, physically, outward appearance, but there's a mental game in that as well. Big time. Absolutely. Um, you know, over the years, there's my, my clientele has kind of shifted from when I started off as a trainer, I trained a lot of females. I still train a good number of females, but a, a higher percentage of my clientele now is male than it's ever been. And it's a lot of guys, it's, it's the same story. It's their guys in you know the mid-30s to mid-50s, and they lose themselves at some point. They get going with a career. They start a family. And so they don't prioritize their health and well-being. They, have the be- they may have the best intentions of, I need to pour all my time into my business or into my kids, but along the way, they lose themselves. And then one day, they look in the mirror or something bad happens, and they're just, they have this oh shit moment of, I need to change something. Um, I have one guy I work with, he's in his mid-30s. January of last year, he had a stroke. Mm, wow. He, and like, you know, 
he recovered from it, but he told me when we first met, like, I'm really afraid that's step one in me having a heart attack or another stroke. And so for him, it was like, I have to do this. And unfortunately, it feels like we've reached a point where for a lot of guys, that sort of event is the only thing that's going to snap them out of it. And I would like to try to break that because a lot of people are going to end up in really bad places if they have to wait for a damn heart attack or a stroke to get them to realize that their health is worth investing time and money in. When it, dude, it's, it, uh, when they say like, Oh, I'm so afraid this is the start. And you're like, it sucks sometimes having to have that conversation because you want, you have to be like, you should be afraid. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we have to be afraid forever. That means that if you don't take this seriously, you're damn right. Whatever you're fearing is about to happen. It may be today, tomorrow, it may be a year, two years, five years, 10 years, but it's, it's coming. You know, that was, that was the universe or whatever you want to believe in going, Hey motherfucker, wake up, like wake the fuck yeah. up. Cause I'm not doing this with you. Uh, and I'm not going to waste my time on it. That, that fear can either paralyze you or it can motivate you to make that first step because you know, these things aren't going to fix themselves. And that's where, you know, you, you asked about like, how and why did we get to this point? I think, and I made another post on social media just talking about how, you know, comfort is killing us. Like this idea that people work so hard for a comfortable life and we've, we've evolved and we've developed so much through technology and medicine that it's easy to live this comfortable life. You can get whatever you want immediately. Medicine allows unhealthy people to live to be 80 years old, but their quality of their life is dog shit. So, you know, I think that's where a, a, there is a multifaceted problem. It's one that is too big, you know, for the two of us to fix, but we can make yeah. a dent. We can sure. definitely make a dent. Um, and that's where I think some of it comes from is just like, we've lost the, the need to struggle that, that feeling of discomfort that causes growth is avoided by the vast majority of people. Yeah. hundred percent, man. It's, um, yeah, I was actually on the phone with Xanis the other day about, and we were kind of chit chatting about what movement standards and, and as a blanket statement, movement standards. And we were talking about why the wheels come off at 30. And we start thinking about like, well, what for the majority of people, athletic careers start around anywhere from 14 to 18, right? Where we start really getting into training, yada, yada, yada. And then we always blame it on turning 30. Well, I turned 30 and the clock just decided to go up. Ah, wheels are falling off. We went, is that, the, is that you turning 30 or is that that window of like 12 to 15 years of just doing bullshit, trying to slam your head against that brick wall, knocking it down go, and the brick wall going, yeah, I don't know. I may have bent, but now you're going to break, you know? So yeah. it's this conversation of like, well, sometimes things just happen. Okay. You know, you're not, you don't live in a bubble or a vacuum. So certain things just happen. Yeah. You're, you're getting older, but literally when you turn 30, it's like, Oh, ah, damn. You're like, but that's the same timeline for majority of people. You start to see these things happen and we have to go back and take care of it. But more so than that, like I love the mental side of it. Why are we there? You talk about comfort. I've never been diagnosed with an eating disorder, but I can look back at my youth and go, man, food, food was my drug and still is my drug. And as much as I've struggled with pills and, you know, I've tried to OD on pills. I, you know, I did not use marijuana the way I think marijuana should have been intended. I created an association with food. Uh, but man, mentally, 
it's like, I still see things show up and I go, why am I doing it? I'm like, that's just, that was because that was comfort when I was little. And so I, I wouldn't eat all day long. I come home and I binge on all the shit that, you know, we would label as bad. If you want to even get there, we don't have to, but whatever these foods that weren't going to really serve me. And yeah. so then I, you start looking, you're like, well, I'm, I'm a fairly athletic human being. Like I, this kind of comes up like the, we surround ourselves in the gym and there's, you look at it and go, this is everybody. And you go, no, that's like 1% of the world that does this stuff. So then you think about, Oh shit, there's so much out there. But for me, it was like, okay, you have this level, but you're always in aches and pains. You play hockey, you put your body through some pain. Fine. But like, when are you going to press pause and take care of this shit? Because at some point you don't want to live your life relying on food the way you are being in chaos with it. You don't want to be in pain for the rest of your life. Like what, what is serious to you? And it's funny how when you start to nutrition was an easy way to dive in easy in the sense of like, it was just right there. It's something you have to do. You have to eat. So it's easy thing to try and take care of. It is not easy in execution to correct or improve that. But we look around at people as whole, but men. And when, when you clean up that diet, what that does for our confidence as a physical uh, uh, appearance, but also mentally, man, is just light years. I have a client that I, I was working with and, you know, he's, he started looking, he was really good looking, like with it all being done and he lost a lot of weight, felt really confident. I said, but are you confident because of the way you look physically? Or are you confident because when you walk in, you go, I don't have to worry about, or I don't have to work so hard about what food I'm going to have or, you know, oh, I feel fat in this suit or this shirt. Or I don't want to go to the beach because of, you know, I don't want my belly hanging over. So the answer is both. But like, don't mistake in the fact that you gain control over a major portion of your life, something you have to do, which allows you to look at the rest of your career, your family, your relationship, all these things and go, I got this. And so when we look around, man, men are just fat. And that doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, 300 shredded. That's not, that's not a realistic yeah. thing either, but you know, the why, and you nailed it. We start diving into, we, we dive into work, family, kids, whatever it might be, but in a way that's kind of avoidance. It's counter, counter, counterintuitive where we go, well, if I do all these things, everything will be good. Like, yeah, but if you're having a stroke at 35, what the fuck did you just do? Yeah. You know, I think there's also a, and I talk about this all the time with people, there's a lack of taking responsibility. You know, because I growing up, I, I used to make all the excuses in the world. I used to blame everyone else for being overweight. I didn't learn how to eat right when I was younger. No one taught me how to exercise. Guess what? I could have I lived in a time where the Internet did exist back then. I could have tried to find these answers on my own. And when I started to really hone in on my exercise and nutrition and, you know, it took me about two years to lose that weight because the first year I was kind of dicking around. I. uh I was exercising on a regular basis. That habit was actually really easy for me to create because for the first time I felt like I was doing something good for myself. Yeah. I still struggled with the eating. And so, uh, I I'm very open about the fact that I'm in therapy. I talked to a therapist and it's been really, really helpful for me. And for one thing that we've like looked at is, you know, I went through when my grandfather died, he was someone I was really close to. And he was kind of the inspiration for my sister and I starting our business. Cause he was, very entrepreneurial himself. Um, that kind of like sent me in the direction that I needed to go because I was still really heavy at the time. I'd been working out for about 10 months and I dropped like only 20 or so pounds. Um, but I had to go to his funeral and be a pallbearer at his funeral. 
and I couldn't fit into any of my suits that were presentable. So I had to throw together this thing that like, I felt ashamed that I presented myself in this way at his funeral. And so I remember coming home from that trip and it was like a flip had been switched of, I never want to feel this way again. I never want my health to get in the way of me living my life. And it was like everything changed in that moment. And I had to really take responsibility for the fact of, okay, no one taught me how to eat right. But that doesn't mean that I can't learn that now. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't take responsibility for it and get my shit together. And I think for a lot of people, when they stop blaming their situation and they stop blaming other people, that needs to be the first step towards making the long-term sustainable changes. And when I talk to clients about the training, everything I do with them is focused on sustainability because I can't even tell you how many people I've met with who have gained and lost the same 30, 40, 50 pounds over and over again. Yeah. And it's infuri- like, it's infuriating. Like it's really, and, and I'm talking about the way that they feel, not how I feel toward them. They feel like they don't have control, that they're a failure and that no one should feel that way about themselves. Like that just sucks. So that's where I think a big portion of it comes into play is you got to fucking take responsibility, take ownership for it. Don't fucking beat yourself up about it, but just realize like, Hey, this is where I am and I can do better and I can change if I'm willing to put in the work. Dude, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. Sometimes there, there are days that I, you know, I feel like in the last two or three months, I've really been able to open some opportunities for myself in terms of my nutrition, but I, I'm still that, you know, I've, I've, sometimes I forget that I went up to 255 pounds. I'm a five, eight guy. At one point I was 255. Sometimes I forget that. Uh, you know, now I'm sitting right around 190 and I still go, I'd like to look healthier. I'd like to feel healthier. I'd like to improve my behaviors so that those few things that I just labeled improve as well. Because when it's just that aesthetics thought process, eh, you kind of lose that motivation at times. Like when things get tough, you're like, well, whatever, I look good enough. Or I, I, know, I don't know, I'll figure it out tomorrow. But when you start really understanding like what behaviors do, it's not just about your aesthetics now. This is about creating control, understanding of self. And if it's operating, if something in the software is operating here with your food, it's operating in other places too. I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. I don't have my voice. I can't show up or I'm scared to show up. You know, all these things. And as a man, I I do think that biologically we need that drive. We need that responsibility to show up and, you know, provide, protect, not necessarily financially, but just in, in purpose, you know, like you wake up and go, I need, I need to serve. I'm here to serve and you're excited about it. And when we are in chaos in one part of our life, it probably means it's bleeding over in others. And nutrition has been an awesome vessel. It's not the only vessel, but it's an awesome vessel, especially for sounds, you know, I'll speak for you a little bit on this one, but for folks like you and I were, that has been a real struggle or a companion and not always the most positive light. And, you know, the movement's great. It's great to be moving and you need to, to get your health in order, but understanding your nutritional habits based on your emotions is really important and to me like we've done a really poor job in our society whether it be with sports or military or just with men where we go you're not allowed to feel things or you're not supposed to let people know you're feeling things and you start to i i start looking around even with some of the clients i work with and i go what's what are you hurting about 
what's the real story? Because I don't, some of it's codependency on food, but like, what's really driving that thing? You know, what happened when you were younger? Or, you know, I don't know. You say, we say, oh, I got married. I had kids. I lost this, I lost that. But that's an excuse. That's the most superficial layer. And I'm not saying you're wrong. What I'm saying is there's some kind of, there's something in the background running, like an app open that we've got to tap into and just see it. That's all. But I know you've done some stuff with like meal prepping. So I've got the why, the how, and then what's the solution? So before I even get into the meal prepping type stuff, what do you feel like is the solution? Where, you know, getting down, you, I believe in like meeting your client where they are, having some tough conversations and then going, but I'm also going to be here. We're going to hold hands. We're going to move this thing through and let's, let's figure this thing out, create autonomy. How do we create that solution? Where do we have to go, particularly with men, I guess, in this point? I mean, I think the same applies to most people, but we're talking yeah. about mostly men at this point. But where, where do you start with people? I mean, obviously, at individual level, but where? You know, it's that's such a man. We could do an entire podcast on that one question, but we'll let's, we'll try to keep that down. Um, <laughs> you know, that's it's really tough, man. Like, is everyone? You have to get people to dig deep. And one thing that I've noticed as of late was I I am very vulnerable in a lot of my social media posts talking about my body dysmorphia and the fact that I used to binge eat like crazy and I used to like shame eat in my car. Like, and that vulnerability has really allowed me to dig deeper and it makes my clients feel more comfortable talking to me about their own struggles. And that right there, I think is an important first step because you can't take someone where they want to be if you don't know how they got to where they are, right? Like we can meet them where they are and we should meet them where they are. We should talk to them in a language they understand and be that Sherpa up the mountain of getting their shit together, right? Yeah, like yeah, we, we are not the hero of somebody else. As coaches, we are not the hero of someone else's story. We have to be the guide. I have to be their Yoda. And to really become that role, we have to like dig into some of that messy shit that they don't want to, that they might not feel comfortable talking to anybody else about. Like there have been times where some of these guys have been like, I don't even talk to my spouse about this stuff because they're afraid of looking weak. And I think we need to walk this fine line of holding people accountable, pushing them to go farther than they would go on their own without feeling like they're being beaten down. Yeah, 100%. Right? Because, like, I think the, the idea of, like, having to be, like, this tough macho guy all the time, I love to bang weights just as much as any other dude. And I'll blast – you know, metal music and rap and whatever while I'm doing it. But at the same time, I am very in touch with my emotions and my feelings because that's kind of how I was brought up. And, you know, working with somebody through a lot of those things and seeing that food was a coping mechanism for me. And it's a coping mechanism for a lot of people. Yeah. And that can be too much for just a strength coach or a personal trainer. You know, we're not therapists. We have a scope of practice, but our scope of practice does include helping people create healthy habits. Right. So for a lot of people, I want to help create, you know, one healthy habit at a time. I don't want to overwhelm them because you, you know, I talked about sustainability. It's not sustainable to flip everything on its head, right? Like if you go, okay, you need to stop eating everything you're eating, no alcohol, no eating out. You're going to be in the gym six days a week. Uh, you're never going to go to parties or anything. You're going to be home and in bed every night by nine o'clock. Like that shit will not last Brian. 
Like, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> right? I tried. I've literally tried. You know, like, yeah. Uh, I just recorded a podcast with um, a, a girl that I know. Um, I'll give her credit here, a lot of days. I, I have it on another piece of paper. You can't bypass the hard work, but we don't have to do all the work at once. Yep. You know, where it's like we're definitely in this thought process where everything, I'm definitely guilty of this. And that's probably what's really been really as much challenging still to this very moment. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have that little bit of ice cream because, ah. But it's like, okay, why can't you have a little bit of ice cream and then just move on? You know, why does it have to be this tailspin? And then you you have to continue to ask why or how is this thing going to serve me? Why and how, when applied properly, can be really powerful questions. And you don't have to have the answer. You just have to bring the awareness of like, pause, pay attention to the thought, what's really happening. But when she said that, when I was recording with her, she said about the bypass, the hard work. I was like, man, that is, I can't speak for women, but I think in the society we live in right now, it is very much like, how do I do, I call it cramming 10 pounds of shit in a five pound shit bag. How do I do everything yesterday? And you're like, that's not going to work. You know, we, if you feel like you operate better with less carbs and great, if that's what you want to do, it's cool. We can figure out how to make that sustainable, but we also don't have to demonize like, Oh, you had a whole bag of chips and salsa. Listen, why, how do we limit that next time? Or how do we maneuver that a little bit differently next time? But also you don't have to beat the shit out of yourself. Like, trust me, I've eaten four bags of chips at a time where I'm still here with you. You know, we don't have to die from one thing. Uh, but man, you, you mentioned shamey. How did you identify the shame? Or how do you describe the because shame? Because I had to hide it. I had to hide it from people. Okay, I, and what, I what was, do you think the shame was, was about? Do you know? Lack of control. And I felt like it was a, a weakness of, I don't have control. I don't, of, you know, my emotions. I don't have control of my life in general. I was in a really bad place where... You know, I had, I did a victory lap at college because I had no direction in my life. And most of my close friends had moved away. So it was like this really lonely period in time mm. where I didn't have I didn't have much of a, a community, like a close circle that I was around. And so I felt really alone. And because of that, I ate and I ate and I ate some more. And so that was like looking back on it, it's it's rough, but I'm also I had to, I had to go through that in order to find something more and to, you know, it taught me a lot of lessons about myself and about how much strength we really do have both physically and mentally to overcome these demons that we think are insurmountable. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it's fascinating. Uh, I'm laughing here sitting and thinking like, man, if we were in college together, we probably would have sat on like the same couch, like passing bong back and forth or something like that. And just yep, eating like crazy. The funniest part about it is that we probably would have had these same conversations, but not done anything about it. Been like, man, we really probably shouldn't have this pizza and ice cream tonight, but like, I will figure it out tomorrow. There's, the more, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. The more you do become a little bit more vulnerable and you put yourself out there, I struggle with putting myself out there. So when you meet me in person, I'm really good with like connecting with people. If you put me in a room of 20 people, boom, let's roll. Unless short of me, like being feeling like I'm the dumb guy in the room. We're like, Oh shit, people are judging me. But when I get to talk about something like the mind in terms of how we feel, I'm good to go. I connect people. I can talk about whatever. Fine. But man, I get like on the, on social media. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. 
I don't like this at all. So my vulnerability in that space is way different. I have no problem talking. My wife will disagree with me. Like I'm not vulnerable enough, but you know what? I like that because it does create an environment or a space for people to go, Oh, I can talk about this. Men don't always like that. It's a little more work. Um, but yeah. I do find that the more I do it or I connect with folks like yourself, it's a holy shit, man. This is a bigger problem to that's going on that we think like, I don't know, you probably, I would imagine you get this at some point where you're like, fuck, man, what am I doing? What am I saying? I'm scared to have this out there. People are judging. But like most people are going, huh, sounds a lot like me in some capacity, whether it was food or drugs or you know, whatever it might have been. Yeah, it is dude. fascinating to hear people talk about their experience. And, and I've got a coach right now, and she always says this, you only have to be one step uh, ahead of the person you're trying to help. You know, like, yeah. yeah, I don't have a six pack abs and I, maybe I never will. I don't know like what that goal looks like, but I sure as hell have been through the trenches of trying to navigate my health and my relationship with lots of things, food included. And that's a really fascinating thing to me because so much of that is just, it's an emotional, mental connection there. Uh, so yeah. it, when people talk about shame, I'm always curious about what that means to them. And you saying it's about the control or lack thereof is, is a pretty, that's a really fascinating way to look at. It. I appreciate that. It's really yeah, interesting. Um, so, one thing I want to piggyback off of what you were just talking about when it comes to putting yourself out there on social media, because this is another thing I struggle with too. Um, I try to put something out on social media every day. It's, yeah. I have uh, business coaches, my sister and I do for our gym and they, they challenged us to do that is put something out there every day. And there are days where I don't want to do it. There are days where I'm like, does anyone give a shit about what I'm saying? But what I have to go back to and what I challenge you to go to is the shitty coaches that are out there, they're putting out stuff every day. And it's not about trying to yell louder than they do because if coaches like yourself who genuinely give a shit about trying to help people don't put their voice out there, the people who need guidance are going to go to the coaches who either don't know what they're doing or are practicing, you know, having deceptive practices and are leading them in the wrong direction. So that's where I, when I talk to other coaches, you're like, yeah, I just don't want to put stuff on social media every day. And I'm like, okay, if it doesn't need to be every day, that's one thing, but just know that people who need your help right now are going to someone else. And that someone else might be a really shitty coach. Yeah. And then so in turn, I'm, I'm sitting here. Yeah. I'm sitting here bitching about all of it to my wife instead of being part of the solution. Uh, yeah. I, I appreciate and the challenge. Man. Because awesome. like, good coaches second guess themselves because they are open to the idea that they may be wrong because they've been wrong before and they're always trying to learn. Bad coaches are so overly confident and they don't even know it. Right. Uh, long pause for me because you literally just hit it on the head. I don't, I struggle with, uh, I guess, you know, Brett Bartholomew would call it imposter um, um, phenomenon instead of syndrome because he's like, it's not actual disease. It's just a phenomenon. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it is. I question myself more than I pat myself on the back. And I, I was just talking to my wife about it where I'm like, I feel like I am smart. I do have something to say. I just get scared of saying it. It's like, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want people to see this wrong, but like I just said, you only got to be one step ahead of the person you're helping. And even if you are wrong, someone like yourself or whatever, maybe a step ahead of me may go, Brian, 
that's not necessarily wrong, but it's not necessarily right. We can do this. And like, it's kind of comes back down the idea of being offended. Isn't a bad thing or being wrong or making a mistake as long as you were genuine in what you were doing. But maybe you're right in terms of like, if you are a quote unquote good coach or a a self-improving coach, you question yourself more because you know that there's just so much out there. But man, yeah. you you that's a, that's a great challenge, and I appreciate you throwing it out there because I I haven't thought about it in that way. Instead, I bitch a lot about it. I bitch about myself not being out there. Um, but when you put it and that way, look, it's like you see these people who have these huge followings and they don't know their ass from their elbow, and you're just like, <laughs> why does this person have so many people who you know? Why are they impacting more lives than I am? And instead of complaining about it, let's fucking do something about it. Yeah, dude, I I love that. It's a uh, yeah, I started, to, I'm trying to figure out what my personality looks like. Cause I'm a pretty sarcastic, like I'm not an asshole, but I am an asshole where I'm just like, you know, I, I post things about like skinny tea every once in a while. Like I, I, like my, we put like some bedtime tea together the other night and I was like, Oh, skinny tea, six pack by morning. And like yeah, time for your di- time for your diarrhea tea. Right. You know? And like, you know, I put out a, like a playing around trying to get myself out there. I put a reel together, about like booty by Jane with a band. And you're like doing like, you know, extensions and like shit like that. And I'm like, this is not how you grew it. You know, I have people go like, well, those aren't bad movements. I said, the movements aren't bad. I'm saying what your, the results are not what they're not real. You didn't grow your ass 55 inches like yeah. a Kardashian using a band, you know, like <laughs> that's not how this works. We're not going to defy science now and go like, well, I did a million reps. You're like even that won't do it. But uh, I appreciate that challenge, man. That's, that's uh, I like that thinking. Um, and instead of, being part of the complaint i'll just try and put myself out there and learn and continue to grow but that's and like, you know the being yourself like you're just gonna attract when you're yourself you're gonna attract the kind of people that you want to work with you know yeah yeah 100 like man the people who understand that kind of sense of humor like i do like i'm yeah. right there with you like i and I, I tell people this when i meet with them for like consultations and stuff is like i know that i'm not for everybody but the people who I am for, we connect in a big way. Yeah. And that's like, that's it, what, which is huge. And that's what helps create, you know, we go back to the, the how do we fix this, the what of, you know, we need to identify some of the biggest move, like some of the things that will move us the furthest forward. So you, I, I find that you have to get this sweet spot of, okay, what is one habit that is going to make the biggest impact while at the same time, they're able to stick to it, right? Because you can find the biggest movers, but if they can't really put in the work to change those movers, we're not going to get the most out of it, you know? So like, you know, for some people, like I have a guy who I started training and we were talking about like eating breakfast in the morning because he finds that like, if he doesn't eat breakfast, he has a huge lunch and a huge dinner and it's, not good stuff. It's not like, uh, Oh, I'm still following my calorie goal kind of a thing. It's huge in a bad way. And I asked him like, well, why do you, do you like, do you want to eat eggs in the morning? Like what would be a good breakfast to you? He's like, well, I got to leave for work early. I'm like, okay, make them the night before. He goes, I don't want to eat microwaved eggs. And I'm like, well, at some point we need to stop doing what's easy and start doing what's necessary because while it may not be the most enjoyable thing in the world, at some point you are going to have to throw that shit out the window. You know, like we can't have it both ways. (laughs) Yeah. You can't have a cake and eat it too, which for the record is probably one of the worst phrases ever. Cause I've never had, 
never had cake that I haven't eaten. I'm like, are you kidding me? This cake here, I'm eating it. Uh, it, it is funny how, I don't know, man, like I've been kind of getting in this groove where I, I just take a little picture of whatever I'm eating from time to time. And it'll be yeah. like eggs with some ham and, you know, it's egg whites, whatever. It's a couple of cranberry juice or whatever, you know, I don't know. And I'll put like breakfast about 12 minutes from refrigerator to frying pan yeah. to my mouth. It actually takes me longer to eat it than it did for me to measure, chop up, fry, and clean up. I, I yeah. clean up everything while I'm letting the food cool so that way I don't waste time like burning my mouth and I ruin the rest of the day's taste. But I'm like, 12 minutes. And it's not like, oh, it's that simple. It took a minute to get in there. I took a, you know, you could take a weekend and go, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to put this thing together. You don't have to eat the same thing every day. And in fact, we don't encourage that. But I can make this core meal and go, mm -hmm. well, I'm going to add on a little bit. I know that, okay, this gives me this, like, you know, three eggs with hundred grams of egg whites gives me X amount of protein. Well, I'm going to add in a piece of bacon. I'm just going to add it on. It's okay. Or, you know, yeah. you can spice these things up and it, it really has been, uh, I, I do it like half tongue in cheek, but also half like to tell myself, like, this isn't as complicated as I like to make it out to be even for my own like journey and experience with cooking. You know, I still, today I was going to put some leftover steak in my eggs and I was like, Oh, I feel uncomfortable about like, what this measures out to me. I was like, just do what you've been doing. You know, like I enjoy what I eat. So I'm like, let's just do that. Don't even think about it. Why introduce that stress yeah, right now? Like just go to work. Fried Oreos for breakfast. And that's right. like what you're deliberately about. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Oh, you went over in your protein or you're like, ah, you're good, man. Like you're eating good quality stuff. It's not going to be the end of the world. That's not the reason you're not going to reach your goals here right now. It's, it's just, no one ever this... eating too much lean protein. All no, right. There's, just... there's that. Right. Well, it's, uh, I was talking to a client the other day and like, really, I was, they're like, realistically, how much protein should I have? Or like, what, where would, what amount of protein would not be healthy for me? I go, if you get to that point consistently, you need, you're going to be making millions of dollars as the world's best protein eater. Because like, I'm like, they're showing in certain research that like, it's over three grams per pound of body weight, like three, try that yeah. one day try it one day. And it's not that like, it's even probably bad for you. It's that like, I don't know that you can actually ingest that much. That's a full freaking day of eating all day long. I'm like, I don't even want to attempt it. it sounds terrible. Yeah. Like meat, but like not that much. You tell me it's ice cream. I might have another job. I'm open to challenges, <laughs> but you know, it, it is interesting. So I, that's, I'm going to segue into that with like meal prepping. Cause I know you have done a little bit and actually your meal prepping looks similar to how I believe about it. But I'll just let you take it. How do you meal prep? How do you prepare yourself for the days ahead, the couple of days ahead, whatever you do? What do you do with your clients as a, what do you do? That's easy. Okay. So I'll start with, I'll start with what I do. Um, so I'm currently following the vertical diet. So yeah, stand efforting. Stand efforting diet. Um, so, you know, on Sundays I take a couple hours. I, my wife bought me a rice cooker, which was like the greatest thing anyone's ever done to me. Um, besides, besides marrying me, of course, that's the second right, nicest yeah. thing she's done. She is, just sounds is, like a really smart lady. <laughs> she's super smart. She, she saw me like, like trying to boil rice and like, 
the water would oh, i'm an idiot and the water would like overflow every time and she just got sick of like hearing the sound of the water hitting the yeah. stove top i think she's, she's like and oh like, he's I'm so spin-. cute but <laughs> yeah and so she got on amazon and she ordered it and she goes you'll have a rice cooker tomorrow and i was like you're the fucking best but uh so you know i i cook up a whole bunch of rice i chop up um you know my breakfast is eggs egg whites rice peppers some carrots so i prep all of that i have that in containers so that you know, first thing in the morning, I can throw it together really easily. Or um, if I have like 6am clients, every minute of sleep is precious. So like I make my I make my breakfast the night before. So I can just wake up, heat it up, eat and go. Um, So I'll prep, I'll prep rice, I'll prep, you know, ground beef, if I can find steak on sale, I'll do that. Um, I mainly just have everything ready for breakfast, lunch, second lunch. And then for dinner, um, I give myself a little bit more leeway because my wife does not want to eat steak and rice every night, even though I can because I love it. That would lead to a lot of arguments. Um, so <laughs> then for, for dinner, you know, we'll have we'll have pork, we'll have chicken, we'll have salmon. Um, we'll just we'll switch it up to you know so she doesn't get bored too, and that provides a little bit of variety. And you know, try to get my all uh, prep my, my spinach. Um, cause I have spinach with my lunches as well and whatever other veggies I need. And it's really, you know, when I recommend meal prep for people, it's for those who have the biggest, and that, that could be the one thing that we focus on. That could be our one habit is prep your food for lunch. If, you know, if you tend to eat out for lunch every day, odds are it's not ideal and not even close to ideal. Like it doesn't have to be ideal. It just needs to be better. Because if you're stopping at Chick-fil-A every day, um, you're probably oh, not delicious. Making, yeah, <laughs> you're probably not making. It's just so crazy driving by the like the Wendy's drive-through and seeing at lunchtime all these like the line of cars. I'm like, we got a long way to go, Brian. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, whatever is going to take the most hassle out. So dinner. If you need, you know, if you're if you're good at lunch, but you struggle with dinner because you have a couple of kids and they don't want to eat maybe exactly what you're eating. Well, that could be a good opportunity to teach them how to eat healthier too. That is, you know, an option, but if that's, the, if that's not the case, okay. Um, prepping some stuff for that. And, uh, one thing that we've, my sister went to the culinary Institute of America up in Hyde park, New York. So she is an amazing cook. So she's taught me a lot and I've been able to, you know, get better at cooking too. And that's really, really been beneficial. And I just find so many people don't know how to cook like anything. And so Kinda crazy, you know? Yeah. Like how to cook an egg or a and piece of fish, man-made fire and then turn it into just like microwaves. And you're like, yeah. wait, wait, what? We've made this easier. already. <laughs> like, yeah. And they're like, well, how do you know when like the food is done? I'm like, well, you can use a meat thermometer. Like those exist. Like that's the thing. Um, Bite into it. Let me know if it tastes all right. If it's way too yeah. chewy, cook it a little longer. You know, you figure Probably. it out. Probably screwed that one up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then recently, uh, my sister just started offering meal prep for some of our clients too, which has been really Very great cool. because wow. a lot of people still view, quote, healthy food as having to taste like cardboard. And she's showing them that, no, it can still taste really damn good. And it can help you work toward where you want to be with your health. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, man. So I think meal, prep, meal prep is something I don't 
I won't recommend for a lot of people right off the bat because that can be one of those like overwhelming things that causes them to yep. look back, you know? Yeah. Too, too much. Uh, that's, um, I made that post about macros and it was like, if you're at a particular part of your journey, we may be right able to just jump into macros, you know, like let's take a history here. Let's figure this out. Let's take a food journal, whatever it might be. And we may be able to go, all right, you're probably at a position where we can start to track a macro, if not all three. Okay. But for most people, it's like, I want you to know what these macros are, but more than that, I just want to, let's figure out a, if one of the places to start would be just hit this calorie allotment. Yeah. 2000 calories. I don't even care what it's made up of. Just try and make whole food choices and just try and find an overall amount of calories. However you get there is not a big deal at this moment. We just mm -hmm. want you eating calories. Some people, we do have to go a little deeper than go, we need you to just eat more meat. I don't even care how much. I just need you to eat more. Write it down and say that every meal I had protein and then yep. put it on there. But, you know, it's, it's funny you brought up Chick-fil-A or just fast food and you can make some, you know, in a pinch, you can make some much better decisions. Like it's not, we demonize it and it should be in its own right, but there is always life happening and there's always these ways to do it. And it's funny you say it because it brought up my, the thought process. We went to Chick-fil-A one night and my, we love the mac and cheese. They're delicious. Um, and I wouldn't put it in my fitness pal. Just like, oh, let's just see. Thinking it's carb heavy. I put it in. I was like, holy smokes, man. The fat content is even higher than the carb. And then you start thinking about Doritos. And we always think of chips as this really high carb content. And it's not, not high carb, carb, but when we really dive into it, you go, yeah, even though it says like only eight grams of fat, and I say only because it looks like 17 grams of carbs, that mm -hmm. fat still supersedes the amount of calories that the carb produces. Oh, yeah. So not, not as it, it's not that this thing isn't a high, high carb thing, but it's now a high carbon fat bomb, which is a pleasure center. And now yep. we've got a whole slew of issues. So like we blame the carb. We're like, yeah, but uh, how about that? Like the amount of calories from the fat produced with that, it's even these, higher than the carb. So it's crazy. The, these highly that. palatable, highly, you know, highly caloric dense foods. And that's, you know, when I was looking into the obesity numbers, that's one thing that they blamed it on was so many foods these days that trigger that pleasure center that are just horrible for you yeah. when overconsumed. Cause I don't know anyone who will sit down and eat one serving of Doritos. It's like eight. <laughs> Pretty tough. Like, I don't really know if you can do that. My hat's off to you, but like, I don't, it's not even tough. worth it. You have the eight chips, you uh, want more. And then you look at it, you yeah. go, man, I just blew everything out of the water. I can't eat. Yeah. <laughs> so like you talked about like making better choices for fast food. That's one thing that I work on. You know, my, my one-on-one -on -one training clients, they, we, we chat all the time. And one thing I tell them, especially if they're trying to lose weight, is if you're eating out somewhere, I would really appreciate it if you like texted me and told me where you're going. And then I can pull up the menu in a matter of seconds, and I can offer you some recommendations as to what you can eat at these places to still enjoy it while also working toward your goal. Sure. Because that's part of the sustainability model, too, is like you're going to eat out. Let's not pretend like you're going to go the rest of your life. People are like, oh, well, I'm just not going to eat out for the next 90 days. Like, well, that's kind of stupid because after that 90 days, you're going to go eat out again. <laughs> so instead of setting this unrealistic target that's not going to really serve you in the long run, let's work together. You can kind of see my thought process 
So like the, the guy who had the stroke, he's lost 50 pounds. He's in the oh, best health he's him. been in a long time. And he was one of the people who, when I told him to text me where he was going to eat, he would text me where he was going to eat. So it was, it was Chick-fil-A one time. And I was like, okay, get the grilled nuggets, get a small fry and get like the kale. I looked up like their nutrition guide, get like the kale superfood salad. And uh, he was like, okay. And he, he came in and I was like, okay, so how did that all taste? And he's like, oh, it was great. Like I was able to eat out with the family. No problem. I showed him and he told me what he would normally eat on his own. And so like, I, I just showed him the numbers of those and how it was like 550 calories to what he would you know, normally eat was like 900. And I was like, now let's extrapolate that out over the course of a year, over five years, over 10 years. And you start to see that seemingly small changes make a huge impact over time. And you're still able to have the meal out with your family. It's not like you inconvenience them by being like, hold on, let me grill a chicken breast real quick. And then we'll go to Chick-fil-A because that's ridiculous. Um, And so, you know, yeah, creating this awareness around what you're putting in and not demonizing foods because that's just more disordered eating. Like I, I don't want to make fun of them, but the, people in the, the fitness industry who demonize obesity while also being so strict with their own eating that it's become another form of eating disorder is, is, is pretty ridiculous. And you know, that it's a, it's a double-edged sword, man. They do. It really is like you co- And that was some mistakes I made earlier on in my coaching career was being too hard on people like that. And I, and I, it took me a while to realize like, that's not serving anyone. Like, measuring out every gram of everything that you're eating is not healthy either. Like that gets to a point where that's another form of eating disorder. And, and so you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at where I don't do it all the time, but I do feel myself like almost, it's almost like I found out, I figured out a system for myself. Like, Oh, I this measuring thing. Isn't all that hard. I've, I understand it. It's just part of a habit. Yeah. But like now I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling this anxiety or I'm feeling this, maybe it's shame or guilt. Uh, and I'm like, Oh man, but you've been doing so well. Like, why don't you keep it going? There's one part of that conversation that's really great where you're like, man, I want to stay consistent. I want to keep, keep discipline. I'm, I feel good with what I'm doing. But then there's that other part of like, are you really worried about going a hundred or 200 calories over on one day or two right. days? Or like, we're going to go home this weekend. You're like, I mean, you can make good choices, but you don't have to measure and you can still yeah. enjoy some of the foods, but like, you also don't have to eat the whole bag of chips you don't have to have a second scoop of ice cream, you know, whatever it might be. Like you can still go out and like, again, if you think over one week, two week, three week, month, four months, five months, mm-hmm. 100, 200 calories on a Wednesday night or a Wednesday over. And then you get right back onto the, you know, the horse and go, ah, oh, no, I don't feel better when I'm like this. Great. But it allows you that ability to like not be weird. Right. Like, like John always says, like someone offers you beer, you fucking drink the beer. Yeah. You know, and obviously if you're really trying to get to a goal, it's okay. You make your hard decisions. It's not, we're not going to mad at you for that. Like the same way we're not mad at you for having cake, but it is this conversation of like, are you okay to do it? And I myself am in that journey where I can coach someone in that and go, you're fine. But I, for myself, where I sit, I go, you know, we're doing it tonight. Wife got promoted. So we're, I'm going to take her out to dinner. And it's like, enjoy, enjoy yourself. That it's, go for, go for a walk, do whatever kind of, you know, minimize whatever you can stay active but like go enjoy it man you're not gonna fall off the wagon if you don't want to fall off the wagon you just go have dinner and hop right back on and so it's a sustainability really is an education and awareness 
you know, sustainability mm-hmm. is the one where we use, but what's, what's the sub layer of that? That's education. And it's awareness of like, what are these feelings and emotions that I'm, I'm, ex- I'm experiencing? And like, then you go, well, how do I maneuver it? You know, what, why am I having these? And then how do I, I maneuver them? I don't like to use the word deal with them because it's not, it's not an inconvenience, it's a gift, you know, like it, it really is hard to, hard to take in in that moment. But a lot of these struggles are gifts. I feel the same way. And, you know, I still, I'm not going to like I don't measure out some food because I still do. It's more along the lines, okay, I want to be in this like ballpark. Like if I, if I need a certain amount of rice for a meal, I'm not going to like pick out one grain at a time to make sure I hit exactly 200 grams of rice. Like it's like, all right, I'm in that ballpark. We're good. I mean, I need, you know, roughly this amount of protein. I'm good. And then, you know, having those meals out, enjoying that time, like you need that stuff. Like we're, we're social creatures who like bond over food. We have been since the day that mankind started, you know? So that, that is necessary. And you said a really key thing right there, which is awareness. And that is really so important when it comes to weight loss or whatever. We'll talk about it in terms of weight loss is like having that awareness of, you know, for so many people, they can turn one meal out on Friday night into a weekend bender and all that hard work. Yep. I've been there too. Trust (laughs) me. All that hard work you put in Monday through Friday afternoon can just get thrown out the window and you just go in this like cycle. So like being able to, you know, my wife and I, we've been going out for dinner like every Saturday night for the last, since restaurants really opened back up out here because we want to have, you know, we enjoy eating out and it's been a really good challenge for me of, okay, we're going to have a nice dinner at home Friday night, Saturday. I'm going to eat like I normally would during the week, Saturday night, we're going to go to dinner. I'm not even going to sweat at all what I'm eating. And then Sunday, yeah. I'm just right back into my routine. I have my stuff ready to go Sunday morning. Um, and that can be that in and of itself, being able to do that is a huge victory for a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've been really trying to experiment with the weekends where I've, I've been trying to mm-hmm. pull away from work on the weekends, get everything done during the week, make the week chaotic time and, and whatever, stay really disciplined during the week as much as possible. But I've let loose a little bit on the weekend and almost as an experiment, experiment to myself of like, how can you navigate this so you can enjoy yourself but not go overboard and also understand Monday morning, you get on the scale, you're probably going to look, you're going to be a little heavier. You didn't gain three pounds. You just didn't. By Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you get back into action. You're probably going to see the scale go down in the direction you wanted to, anyways. But you're right. If you just jump into the grave full on, well, you're gonna you're gonna have a situation where like it might take a minute to get back out of it, organized. But it to me, it's almost been like a challenge where I'm like, I'm going to let the reins. I'm going to stop measuring on the weekends and see if I can just make intuitive decisions and control my eating habits in terms of what's my relationship right now. I can go out, I can have some bread, I can do it up, you know, I can have, actually, not like I don't eat bread, but like, I can have the roll out with the butter and just go, you know what, let's get some dessert too. And then like, try and minimize it to, okay, Saturday night, we're gonna enjoy ourselves. And sometimes we like, we got a habit of like Sunday mornings, we like to go to a restaurant down the street. And it's like, okay, if you're gonna do that from time to time, you say, it's fine. It's okay. You're not, you're not gonna die from this thing. But like, also, if you can make a few better decisions in there and co- compact that down even more, you will reach more goals. But also understand when you do reach X goal, you, you're gonna, like you said earlier, you're going to go back out to eat. You're going to introduce these other foods or patterns again. So why not just push the goal out another month or two 
in terms of the timeline of like what's appropriate to lose weight or, you know, that's the example we're using and still enjoy yourself throughout that thing. The difference in a month or two in your life is it's so minuscule that you're like, you know, you got a wedding, you're like, listen, it's a conversation of, I want to be 180 pounds. Well, what if you're 185 and you love the way you look, you're jacked and you feel yeah. really good about everything. You got a good balance with food. You feel strong and confident emotionally and physically. Are you going to be upset? You're not 180 pounds. All right. I think we've reached our goal. You know, like our goal, we've got this uh, goal and we're like, what is your goal even? You know, I had a really great moment with a client just before we started where uh, it was her birthday and she was out with some friends and we've been training for a few months now. Um, When we started, she, she wants to lose some weight, but she's really not that concerned with the scale. And so for some people, I don't want that to cause undue stress. So I want to look at other markers. Is she getting stronger? Is her conditioning getting better? Um, how is she feeling? And so she told me, like, I felt for the first time, and I can't tell you how long I felt confident wearing a sleeveless dress where you could see my arms. And I, I noticed awesome. that like my arms look good. And like that to me right there is so much more important than that than the number on the scale. The number on the scale is a data point. For some people, we oh. need to track it to make sure they're we're doing what's you know what needs to be done. But if it causes stress, there are other things that we can look at. And those are those are the victories that are the most impactful in my opinion is when I hear a dad tell me I could go out and hike with my kids longer than I could before. And we were able to have these experiences that prior my health was preventing me from having because like we talked about at the beginning, we can medicine can get us to be 80 years old. No problem. It's what are you using those years for? Are those years spent running yourself into the ground working? Or are you being empowered to live a life that you had these great experiences that you wouldn't otherwise have if you didn't focus on your health? And that's where I think men need to get their shit together is like, we're not expected to be as strong anymore because we don't have as, you know, physical jobs are less common. You know, we're not expected to rate, you know, rise to a higher standard. We need to pull each ourselves up to a higher standard and pull other guys forward. And I talked about it with social media too, is like we can hold each other to higher standards, but not be assholes about it. Right. Yeah. That is a very real possibility. Like we don't have to beat each other down. We can pull each other up without, you know, diminishing the emotional side of it too, because that does play into it. And so many of the guys that I, I train, like they talk, like, I've dealt with body dysmorphia where some days I'll look in the mirror and while I might weigh 215, I'll feel like I weigh 285 again. And I have a lot of those, a lot of guys I train who like, they'll open up to me about that. And I'm like, dude, so many of us are going through this, but we don't feel okay talking about it. And that's the only way we're going to fix it. Yeah. You're, you're nailing it, man. I I say this quite often, uh, not necessarily in, in social media, but Men Start struggle a lot. Of, yeah, seriously. Yeah, sir, you're gonna be texting me every morning. Hey, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's we always talk about women, and, and it's fine. Like the body positivity is another whole thing we could go down. And we're not going to. But it's um, we talk about women struggling with a lot of these things: body dysmorphia, the way they look. We've demonized them. We've made it a sex symbol, and they're not wrong. But like men struggle with these things too. You know, I struggled with this from a young age. I, I was smart enough to look around and go like, well, that guy's muscular and pretty ripped up and everybody likes him. 
but I'm just as good as an of an athlete as he is. Like I'm doing all the same things he's doing, but I'm not getting that attention. You always say like, Oh, it's the attention you want. You're like, no, no, no. I'm just, I can see why he's getting it. And I'm not saying he's wrong for it, but like also that's on me to have to take ownership of my health and get that stuff together. Cause I'm not necessarily healthy. Not that six pack and a chiseled chest means that you're healthy. It can mean a lot of things. Um, but it, it is, uh, as men, we need to do a much better job to create that environment of doing like, we know, man, it's okay. We're, we can yeah. work with this, but like you just made, took the first big ass leap by admitting, like, I struggle with this thing. And like you, you making that space right there is about to make a major change for you. And you don't know, it doesn't yeah. matter when it just matters that like we did it, we've talked about it. And now we've got this little gap in the thought process and that cyclical thought process we get wound up in. And as soon as we can just break that open once, we can break it open again. There's no doubt. So it's, uh, it is pretty fascinating, man. Um, I, I'm happy with where this is at, dude. This is awesome. Yeah, me too. It's been great. What's, uh, what are you working on right now? I, I, uh, I see you got the sandbags out for September. Yeah, doing that. Um, I love training with sandbags. I think it's something fun. And I think it's, you know, these days – it's easy to get your hand on some play sand and a bag to throw it in. and uh, Way easier than weights. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and so, you know, putting out, trying, I was talking to another one of our coaches, the block ones, Chris Bean, about this. It's been an interesting mental challenge to put out a, a well-rounded program with a small amount of equipment um, that doesn't overstress the same thing. So trying to work different movement patterns and different planes of motion and, uh, trying to find that balance there of getting people good, good training with that, that small amount of equipment, because a lot of big gyms are struggling to reopen and stay open. And a lot of people are nervous about going back to them. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Yep. Um, that's, but, that's three, yeah, that's, that's three more podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, mainly we, we were very fortunate through COVID that we were a primarily personal training studio because it was very easy for us. You know, once we shut down, uh, before the lockdown happened back in March, we had clients come and get equipment from us and we still trained over zoom and FaceTime, which awesome. was great. And then because we were smaller, we were able to open up sooner than the big box gyms. So most of our clients didn't really miss a beat, which was great. That's awesome, and I had a couple of them who like, you know, the first two weeks that we were closed, they still weren't training. And I was like, we got to get back into it. And as soon as they did, they were like, that's the stress relief I needed. You know, because it seemed like everyone, a lot of people, you know, alcohol sales went through the roof when everything started, right? A lot of people were solving their problems with alcohol and food, hands up to that as well for the first couple yep. of weeks. Remember I hopped on the scale like two, three weeks into the shutdown. I was like, all right, we need to nip this in the bud right now. I can't keep doing this. Like, it's so bad. So, you know, we mainly do one-on-one training, a little bit of group training also, some semi-private stuff, um, really working to getting a men's group going. I want to get like a men's strength and conditioning group going um, because I think that that camaraderie has been lost for a lot of people, that male bonding time and the weight room is a great place to do that. I don't think a lot of guys, unless you played, you know, high high school or college level sports, a lot of guys didn't get that. Mm -hmm. Um, So like every Saturday, a bunch some of my guy clients who I train during the week, they'll come in and we'll lift weights together and we'll put on some, some rock, We'll, uh, we'll do, you know, a bro workout, if you want to call it that, of just like a bunch of arms and shoulders and shit. And it's, it's an awesome time and it's a bonding experience. And it's that camaraderie that is missing with the fact that like so much is still being done online. Like 
we still need to get together as much like as we can otherwise we're gonna lose our shit like people yeah. are already losing their shit they've lost their shit we need to get that shit back together i should how far are you from um uh centennial uh, is it centennial I want to say they, is it okay there's oh god where does he live i'll have to try and connect you with the guy i used to work with uh down in lone tree um he I, as as of right now i think he's an athletic director at a high school a private high school out there um i'll oh, yeah. off this but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll tell you offline but um yeah. he's a really cool dude I, I would you would probably jab with him he's kind of into like the swing a kettlebell do some heavy deadlifts and let's move on with our life here um so he's pretty he's pretty cool dude but he's he's uh he's a retired military he, he's a okay he's switched on dude i think you, you really like him but um what's well, cool dude i'm i'm really happy to hear things are going well i like i told you offline i think morgan and i are probably gonna try and take a trip out there so uh that'd be we'll, awesome we'll, at, the, at the very least you'll be hearing from us with, with that but um, for sure you got you got can, a place uh, to stay I appreciate it, dude. I appreciate it. Um, where can people get in contact with you? Uh, so Instagram is at JWeb, J-W-E-B. Uh, website is EmpireFitLLC.com. Um, on Facebook is Jeremy Weber. Uh, so those are the main places right there. If you have questions, you want to get in touch, tell me that I'm an idiot for what I said here. Tell me actually, you know, might know what I'm talking about. Jeremy at EmpireFitLLC.com. It's my email address. Um, always here to help, man, male, female, young, old. I've worked with, I've worked the whole gambit. Um, and just really, you know, it's been nine years of training people and I'm not slowing down anytime soon. Like it's, it, uh, it's what gets me out of bed, fired up every day. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. I can, uh, you can tell it's, it, it's cool. It's easy to jive with you, man. Uh, I am Appreciate incredibly it. distracted by the Colorado colors behind you and it, oh yeah. It hurts my heart as much as it makes me happy in my heart too. I miss that place so much. But uh, One of our, sooner, uh, you're, it's this is gonna go out there sooner or later. My wife yeah. and I are gonna be out there too. So prepare. Yeah, man. <laughs> but well, maybe we'll sooner do, or later we'll be coaching together. That'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. We uh, we'll have to get it going. But uh, last question I have for everybody: When it's all said and done, man, what's it gonna mean for you to say that you've lived a life well done? That's, uh, so I'll try to keep it quick. Um, that I, you know, that I made an impact, but that I not only in, you know, in my, in other people's lives, but in the people that I love, like, I don't want to lose sight of, you know, having experiences and traveling and seeing other places. Um, and it really is like not, not having regrets. You know, I think too many people have regrets on their deathbed and uh, I want to learn from those mistakes and I don't want to really regret what I didn't do. Good deal, man. Good deal. Well, it sounds like you're uh, in stride with accomplishing that. So uh, I hope you keep it going and I'm excited to come out there and see, check out the place and I'll go grab some beers down uh, Denver if we can and uh, we'll oh, yeah. figure it out from there. But appreciate you spending your afternoon with me. I guess it's, kind of like mid-afternoon for you i guess but uh, enjoy the sun send some this way to, to new jersey please and if you're ever out this way come visit us too so, hell yeah man uh, cool absolutely cool, man. i'll talk to you soon all right take it easy